The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the second chapter. The child Jesus grew strong, grew and became strong, filled with wisdom. And the favor of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it. But supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. And when they, but when, or but then, they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, and asking them questions. And all who were amazed, who heard him, were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. This is the gospel of the Lord. Stay standing for the blessing. Just kidding. Stay seated. All right. Today, I want to talk to you about Jesus, the missing child. Something. Okay. I think that would be good. Jesus, the missing child, yet God being in the right place the whole time. I thought that was an interesting concept, and I might have a southern drawl in the first part and before I catch myself, because I was in Alabama for a little bit. However, I want to pose a question. Has your child ever gone missing, whether you're in a store, whether you're on a trip, has your child ever... You ever lost them? Yeah? Okay. All right, I don't see enough nodding. I see a very angry, scowling, shaking of the head. And so I want to say that I would like to admit to you that one time when I was a child in four-year-old preschool, I went to the zoo with my friend Chris and our moms. And Chris said, wouldn't it be funny if we hid from our moms in the bushes over here outside the dolphin exhibit, the Brookfield Zoo. And we did it. And my mom came out of the dolphin exhibit with tears in her eyes, just absolutely devastated. And I learned at that point that maybe this was not funny. Maybe I shouldn't have done this and I should never do it again. Now, a story like this might be applicable 
to a sinful little boy that wants to do wrong uh, you know, to his parents, not out of any sort of uh, setting his, his sights on it, but instead just his sinful nature as a little boy. But Jesus isn't quite like that. Yeah, he's a little boy, but he doesn't have a sinful nature. He became sin who knew no sin that he might become our righteousness. And so we learn today, it actually bookends our reading with the Lord Jesus and how he grew strong and increased in wisdom and stature in favor with God and man. And that his body grew and developed. His mind also increased in knowledge and understanding. He had to grow up. He was like us in that regard. For he was our brother in the flesh, that we might have redemption through his blood. That's what the Ephesians reading says. And he lived by faith in the word of his father. So, he was catechized by his parents. They always took him to Jerusalem every year for Passover, for the feast. And when he was of age, he gave attention to the Holy Scriptures in his father's house. They would journey to Jerusalem to fulfill the law. And that's where Mary and Joseph's frantic and anxious search for him began. They lost him. I guess it's easy when you got a whole big crowd of, what does it say, uh, relatives and uh, acquaintances. But still, they lost their son. Now, does this mean, and uh, Jerry would let me know at the end of service, does this mean that Jesus had other brothers and sisters, and so it was hard to keep track of them all? Or was this just a fluke? No one knows. All we know is that Jesus was found engaging the religious teachers in the temple. And a few weeks ago, I talked to my grandfather. He found great delight in this story. He said, how did that young boy know all those answers? Well, he's probably a smart young boy. And not to mention he was growing in strength and truth and knowledge and understanding And then we get this discourse between mom and Jesus. I don't know why Joseph didn't bring down more heart of a hand. But we get Jesus talking with Mary. We get the God boy, Jesus Christ. This story gives us a unique understanding and perspective on the incarnation. The Christ child in the feeding trough is also the Son of God. He's fully human and he's fully divine. Jesus is God who obeys the law's command. He goes to the Passover every year with his parents. He listens to the teachers. He listens to the scriptures. He is a boy who refers to the Jerusalem temple, the house of God, as my father's house. So he's not just a little boy. He's both God and little boy, increasing in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. 
But key here is Jesus's awareness of himself as the son of God with a specific mission. Many people focus here on him as a good learner. He knew all the answers, but I want you to think about him also as a good teacher. He asked good questions. I don't know if this was hip when uh, y'all were going to school. It's a pretty ancient concept, but Nate, you probably do this in your school. It's called the Socratic method, where you ask questions to teach and to learn. You ask questions of one another. John the Baptist does this. He, he has his um, disciples go and ask Jesus in prison, are you the one who's uh, to be sent or should we look for another? So that he doesn't just tell them, well, that's Jesus the Messiah. He wants them to learn for themselves by asking questions and answering for themselves. And so we get Jesus, 12-year-old Socratic method, in this story about a child's first words. Now, it would be weird if Jesus' first words were when he was 12 years old. But it's his first words as recorded in the Gospel of Luke. Jesus' first words in the Gospel of Luke, they aren't mama or dada. But there are two profound theological questions. Because what does a good teacher do? They don't just give the answer. They help people find it themselves. This is a part of treasuring it and pondering it in your heart as Mary does, as a good example. His mom asks very pointedly, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And so Jesus says back, What were you look, or why were you looking for me? This one reveals his human nature. Mom and dad... Why were you looking for me? What does it mean that the Messiah you waited for is your little boy? How does that work? How will that happen? And then a second question. Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? His divine nature. Instead of mom and dad, Mary and Joseph... Faithful Galileans, what does it mean that your little boy is the son of God, the son of the Yahweh of armies, the Most High? And so Mary has to bite these off and chew on them for a little bit. One might say, why don't you go think about that at at home? Why don't you ask your friends, talk about it with them? Ask Elizabeth. She's helped you in the past. I think you'd really, she'd really appreciate if you asked. But all, this, all these questions that Jesus doesn't give an answer to right away, all, what they do all is point to God fulfilling his promises. Jesus will answer these questions. Over the three years of ministry with his words, but ultimately he'll answer them not by saying, Here it is, but
but by doing them. As Joseph and Mary's son, Jesus lived a perfect life. He was impressive and a stumbling block to many people. Could you imagine how much his peers envied that he knew all the answers in the temple? And he never did anything wrong, even though they probably played up this story a lot, whenever he seemed a little bit too perfect. His peers, you know, they probably envied him to a point of hatred. But he also, as a human being, he, he could die. And he would have to die. Because we, people like him, would need someone to join in on his peers and envy and hate the stumbling block. And shift all of our disobedience and failures and grief onto to blame. But as the divine Son of God, Jesus arrived to bring reconciliation between God and humanity, as I spoke of on Christmas Eve. Jesus would return to Jerusalem every year for Passover, just like his parents taught him, but as the Son of God, an obedient son. Obedient to who? Joseph and Mary, or God the Father, Yahweh of armies. Christ came to bring his people into right relationship with God the Father and accomplished that work just outside the walls of Jerusalem on Calvary. There, God the Father would forsake his disobedient, or sorry, his obedient son and lay upon him the punishment of all our disobedience as the obedient son of God. But after three days, God would raise that son from death to life again and ensure victory for us over sin, death, and the devil. Christ's reconciling victorious work for us means that we too may call God our father, which is what our epistle lesson was all about, inheritance. We get to share with our big brother Jesus all of his glorious inheritance, the kingdom of heaven, eternal life, salvation, holiness and purity from sins through forgiveness in a very real and enduring way because the relationship between God and us has been set right, who for us men and our salvation, mankind, people, the God-man Jesus Christ the promised one, restored by Christ, is now perfect and complete. Christ is the perfect fulfillment of God's promises of redemption this Christmas season. But where is God in our lives? I can't tell you how many people, when I run into them out there in the world wearing my, my collar, They come up to me, and usually it's at the grocery store. I have a lot of interesting conversations over at that jewel. People come up to me and tell me all the things that are going wrong in their life. Sometimes it's because they're angry with me. Sometimes it's because they're angry with God. Sometimes it's because they're angry with themselves. And usually the constant refrain is, God has gone missing. 
Where is he, pastor? Where is he, tall man in the grocery store who isn't afraid of talking to me, even though we're being conditioned to be afraid to talk to people in public? I'm still sick. I'm still stressed out. I didn't get what I wanted. Why are you missing, O oh God? And that's what's so strange is, I don't think Mary ever asked that question. I think she only asked, why are you missing, O oh my son? And so that's why we get that little quip that when Jesus asked these two questions, they just, they didn't get it yet. And that's okay. You don't have to get it right away. We have to constantly pray for, as Solomon did, the gift of a hearing heart, a heart that can hear, to have ears to hear, eyes to see, and a tongue to profess that Jesus is Lord. Why are you missing, O God? God, Jesus, responds with two questions. Why were you looking for me? Very human question. Why were we looking for Jesus? Because we're broken. We're hurt. We're lost. And did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Yeah, I get it. I get it, Jesus. Did you not maybe think that, oh, I guess you're right, Jesus. Maybe you would be where you promised to be. Maybe you would be in the divine service. Maybe you would be speaking to us through your words. Maybe you would move heaven and earth, space and time to be with us in the body and blood of the sacrament. Christ Jesus is still found here in his church, his temple, in the word of truth, the gospel, by which we are adopted by the Father and sealed with his spirit. Get a little cow iron on you. Thus do we gain an understanding mind to go about our jobs, our roles as mom, as grandma, as dad, as husband, as wife, as son, as daughter, discerning between good and evil. And only with that changed heart can you do so. And so treasure these things up in that heart and chew them over. Because maybe this is where you need to be with Jesus, asking questions and listening to God's word. Maybe this is where your family, your kids need to be, your friends, your neighbor as well, here with you. It's a little hard today with the snow, but you're here. You can bring them too. Here to encounter Christ, flesh and blood, himself, fully God, fully little boy. To be given peace despite our desire to be angry, to lash out, to resent, to spread lies and rumors. To be given forgiveness despite our desire to claim responsibility for our sin and to blame others. And here in church, in the divine service, to be found fully human, fully you. But because of our faith in Jesus, because of our baptism... Slowly, each day, a little bit, a little more, 
fully divine. Amen.